My Seven Chakras, episode 107. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Taker? AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras, your hub for information, insights, and stories that will, without a doubt, change the way you look at the universe. Action Takers, I gotta make a confession. I am not perfect. My podcast is not perfect. Nor is my website. Nor is my communication style. But through my conversations with my featured guests, I have learned one thing. It is alright if you are not perfect. In fact, being perfect is actually a challenge because it means that there isn't much you can do to grow. Execution is more important than perfection. And with every new day, with every new guest and with every new episode, I try out something new. I try to improve. And when I look back after a couple of months, I look back and notice that I have indeed improved and made progress. The moral of the story is don't let your imperfections slow you down. Instead, be proud of them and keep improving. And in order to get better, I am conducting a survey, a mini survey that will only take you a few minutes, but will provide me the information that will allow me to serve you better. To take part, all you have to do is visit my7chakras.com forward slash survey. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash survey. So help me help you and let's improve together. And Action Tribe, with that, I am super excited to bring you our featured guest for today, Chris Friesen. So Chris, are you ready to inspire? I definitely am. Awesome. So Dr. Chris Friesen is a psychologist who has always been fascinated by what makes people successful. He helps high achievers reach their potential. His new book is called Achieve. Find out who you are, what you really want and how to make it happen. So Chris, I've given our listeners a super short intro, but I'm sure that our listeners are waiting to learn more about you. So take about a minute to share. Sure, yes. That was a great introduction and thanks for having me on the show. I'm a psychologist by training. I work with high achievers. I also work with individuals who are having difficulties in their lives. I have training and a background in licenses in the areas of neuropsychology, clinical psychology, and forensic psychology, which is criminal. That's really criminal psychology. And uh, I still work within neuropsychology and clinical psychology. So neuropsychology is brain issues and clinical psychology is usually anxiety and depression. And of course, a big chunk of what I do is with the high achievers, whether they're they're elite athletes or Olympic or professional athletes, or there are other people like entrepreneurs, executives, um, professionals, people looking to take their life, their game to the next level. That sounds great. And I'm sure that our listeners as well want to take their game and their life to a whole new level. Now, before we begin today's episode, Chris, we're going to take a few moments to get inspired and move into a space of learning and growth. Sound like a plan? Yes. Great. So what is your favorite inspirational quote and how do you apply this quote in your daily life? One of my favorite quotes is by Friedrich Nietzsche. And this quote is, he who has a why to live 
live can bear almost any how. And this always inspired me. And it's and actually this book, Achieve, it's the first book in a uh, series called The High Achievement Handbook. I'm currently working on the second book. And, you know, the first book is really about that. It's is when you have, you know, a burning passion or purpose or mission, you can bear almost any how. And, and, and that's been sort of a, the story of my life in finding what I'm passionate about and making it happen. And that's, uh, <laughs> there's a long story. And I know you have other questions that'll relate to that. But, you know, I purposely always make sure I'm, I'm focusing on what is my, what's my mission, what's my passion, and making sure that that is a big focus, because you can get a lot of energy, inspiration, and you can handle setbacks when you have a burning reason why you're doing something. He who has a why can bear almost anyhow. I think that's really powerful. An action tribe. I know you have challenges and nothing can really deny that. But when you find your why, when you find your direction, when you have that mission, that becomes your strength. And after that point, all these challenges, obstacles and trials become irrelevant because you are ready to bear those to get to your why. So thanks a lot for sharing, Chris. No problem. Now, what inspired you to write your book, Achieve? Yeah, well, a lot of things. You know, a lot of people want to write a book. <laughs> I think there's studies saying that 90% of people want to write a book. You know, th- there are a number of things that uh, inspired me. One was working with, uh, you know, a lot of clients and finding that, uh, you know, I was repeating myself and I thought, you know, I wish I could just write a lot of this down and people could save time and money by sort of reading this and then, then we can take this even to the next level after that. And, uh, you know, I also, I just turned 40 recently. <laughs> and so I think, <laughs> Uh, that was also a motivation. I mm. thought, if, we, if I'm going to write this book, I need to write it soon. I don't want to wake up when I'm 50 or 60 and regret. And I think that's a big theme uh, in my life is not wanting to live with regrets. And so I just, you know, decided, I think I'm ready. You're never really ready. Uh, and I, I've read many, many self-help books. And, uh, you know, I've studied various areas of psychology. And I really felt like this book could improve upon what was already out there. And so I really think it would help a lot of people. So th- those are the, the inspirations in a way that explain how I've came to writing the book at this point in my life. Wonderful. I completely agree that everyone wants to write a book. I want to write a book myself, but I haven't written one yet. But a book is a wonderful way to get advice from someone without having to spend thousands of dollars. And as you mentioned rightly, you train these elite performers, Olympians, highly successful entrepreneurs, but then you found yourself repeating yourself. So to scale that up and to enable people around the world to change you wrote this book so that's a powerful reason and as you mentioned you help these olympians and high performing entrepreneurs reach and exceed their potential based on your experience what are some of the traits that set them apart from someone who's getting average results that's a really good question one of the biggest differentiators between successful and less successful people in my mind, um, and this, I just actually wrote a, an article for success.com that was just went live a few days mm-hmm. ago that does talk about this, you know, is successful, the people I work with who are really successful, they essentially live their lives based on their values and goals. In other words, they make their moment-to-moment, day-to-day decisions based on, again, your passion, your why, your values, your goals, and not based on their mood, their energy levels, or their circumstances. And so it's a good example is writing a book. If you sit around waiting, or if I sat around waiting until I felt inspired to write the book, 
I probably <laughs> the book would not be done at this point in time. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that you decide what's important to you beforehand, and then that is the the guiding light uh, in terms of deciding what you do with your time. Again, despite how you feel, despite if you feel tired, if you don't feel inspired, I think that is the biggest differentiator. They they know what they want and they make it happen regardless of what's happening. Wonderful. So you mentioned people who are successful, people who are productive people who get stuff done they live their life based on the goals that they've set at one point not based on the mood or their energy levels because it's so true the energy levels can fluctuate up and down and once again you find yourself on a saturday morning and then you have your inner mind telling you that it's okay to go to the beach or to hang out with friends but you know deep down that you have planned to do x amount of work and when the person gets back to the goals gets back to their why they get the stuff done and people who don't or they don't get their stuff done so thanks a lot for clarifying. Now, my question is, when you have these elite athletes who want to work with you, they're performing well, but they want to take their performance to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. How do you assess this person's current state? What questions do you ask them? That's a, that's a great question. One of the things I do, and, and that differentiates me from a lot of other people who do the type of work I do, is I'm a big fan of knowing your personality, you know, your personality. I call it your basic personality tendencies. In the book, I have a, a measure of that. And you can, if you people buy the book, there's a link in the book to you know download uh, a questionnaire that you can fill out. Uh, so one of the first things I want to know when I work with someone is what's the basic hardware that we're working with? And uh, there's five general global personality traits that personality researchers have discovered across countries and cultures. Uh, and they've known this for about, eh, about 70 years or so. Uh, it hasn't really permeated into the public consciousness. And these are quite uh, self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. The first one's your tendency to experience negative emotions. We all fall along a continuum with some of us being really high, a high tendency to experience negative emotions, some of us very low, and most of us somewhere near the middle. Next one's introversion versus extroversion. Most uh, of your listeners, I'm sure, have heard of that one. And it really has to do with your tolerance for external stimulation, whether it's social, whether it's other things, whether it's noise. And the next one is openness to experience. I think a lot of listeners to your show would probably be on the higher side of openness to experience. Mm -hmm. They are open to new ways of seeing the world and open to allowing their experiences to change them and versus the opposite would be people who are very you know more, much more closed-minded and traditional set in their ways another one's called agreeableness which is basically your attitude towards others so you can be on the high side you're really trusting you're straightforward and honest more likely to be altruistic and modest the low side is the opposite of that uh, and lastly we have uh, what i call motivation and self-control the literature calls it conscientiousness and basically i think my def my title works better because it really is your degree of motivation and self-control, how organized, disciplined, achievement, or goal-oriented you are. And so those are the global traits. That's the first thing I want to know is where do they fall you know, along that continuum on each of those global personality dimensions? And from there, I can you know, figure out which types of techniques would be useful and which techniques they'll probably reject or don't need. So that's probably one of the first things that I measure. I mean, of course, I ask them many different questions. The main one being, what is your ultimate goal? goal here and uh, we go from there wonderful so there you go action tribe basic 
personality, tendencies, tendency to experience negative emotions, introversion versus extroversion, openness to new experiences. What you're doing right now is being open to a new experience, a new style of learning, new advice, tips. Then we have agreeableness. Then we have motivation and self-control. Now, Chris, I've read that you specialize in biohacking to help your clients boost performance. So for someone who is listening to the show right now, doesn't know what biohacking is, what is biohacking? Yeah, so biohacking is it's actually a term that I discovered relatively recently, maybe two, three years ago. Uh, I didn't realize I was a closet biohacker and I was using biohacking with my clients for many years. I was actually, I heard it from a guy named Dave Asprey. He has the Bulletproof Coffee, you know, Bulletproof Executive. That's the first time I actually heard of the term. I don't think he coined the term, but biohacking really means, at least to me, it means you when you take control of your own biology, physiology, neurology, and try to alter it in some way. So technically, everything we do is biohacking. When we eat a meal, you're technically biohacking. But what biohacking really means is usually taking it to another level. So one great example is, let's say a person is higher on the personality tendency, the first one, uh, which is negative emotions. And in other words, they're more likely to just experience more negative emotions, whether it's anxiety, sort of down and gloomy moods, uh, irritability, social um, uh, anxiety, that sort of thing. They, uh, one a lot of biohacking strategies can help you control anxiety. And probably the best one, the easiest one is, uh, and of course you would know uh, this, this is just a modern uh, spin on it, is called RSA breathing, which is respiratory sinus arrhythmia breathing, which really means what we've, what psychophysiologists have done is measured, uh, you know, yogis and, mm-hmm. and, and these great meditators and try to figure out how do they get their physiology to be, their heart rate to go so low, their pain tolerance to, you know, to increase and, and that sort of thing. And they've discovered that essentially one of the main techniques is to breathe in through your nose for about five seconds, breathe out through your mouth for about another five seconds. And that rate for most humans essentially increases something called heart rate variability. And by doing that, you are taking, uh, you're turning on something called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your relaxation response. And when you do that, it's actually a, a, a balance between the sympathetic, which is a stress response, and the parasympathetic nervous systems that are both activated equally and you essentially feel this a sense of uh, you know r- alert and being relaxed and, and alert at the same time so uh, ancient uh, <laughs> eastern uh, medicine and and they, you guys uh, you know the, the people in that area have known this for a long time but now we sort of have scientifically tried to discover what's the best way of doing that and breathing in this manner is the easiest way it is a form of meditation of course so that's the simplest way there's many other ways to do biohacking but that would be the easiest thing for people to do to immediately take control of your mood and to take your nervous system into more of a balanced state mm-hmm. that's really interesting and now that you mention it i recall that before every episode before every show i do something to get into state Mm. and that's something i learned from tony robbins and that includes breathing it includes visualization it includes incantation and combination all of that gets me into state uh, so that i'm able to deliver uh, when i'm having these conversations and people are able to listen to my voice and also you know take action so getting into that state is something i learned from tony robbins and it seems like it's a lot of lot to do with bio
biohacking as well. Yes, it is. It, it's biohacking is really a modern way of again describing uh, what uh, especially Eastern medicine uh, you know has been doing for a long, long time. Sure. But it's it's sort of a fancier way. There's a lot of the use of technology to do this. Like there's heart rate variability monitors you can buy for your phone and things like that. And we could talk about that if you like. But uh, with new technology, we're able to measure our own physiology and then purposely change it. So it's really neat. Now let's take a few steps back. How did you first get into the world of sports and performance psychology? Yeah. So, you know, my story is when I was uh, a teenager, I was kind of high on that personality trait of negative. I was high on negative emotions. Uh, I was kind of an anxious kid and I was not very good at school. I was uh, basically on the verge of flunking out. I felt I had low self-efficacy, which is my belief in myself when it came especially to school. So whenever I was in school and I was asked to answer questions in class, I felt very anxious, very nervous. And I discovered sports. I mean, I played sports before, but I discovered uh, hockey uh, and I was uh, I played as a goalie. And eventually I learned that I could apply what I learned from sports, the lessons I learned from sports to myself in terms of my grades and my academic performance. I also discovered, speaking of which, Tony Robbins's books, you know, uh, Awaken the Giant Within and Unlimited Power at that time. I was probably 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the next book I discovered uh, was uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So I took what I learned from sports and these self-help books, applied it to myself, and I realized, wow, I went from basically the worst student in the class. And uh, by the time I got into university, I, I became the best of the highest grades in my in my graduating class. So it was really, you know, that that experience really kind of shaped my perception of what we're capable of. Uh, and so I realized I shouldn't underestimate myself or and other people shouldn't underestimate themselves either. We have a lot more potential than we actually realize. Uh, of course, I went to to gra- and graduate school to get my PhD and I was in clinical psychology. There is no real like performance psychology. PhD programs in Canada, at least when I was going to school, there were not. And so I purposely, I always knew I wanted to come back to working with high achievers and successful people. But, you know, I realized that, you know, I'm going to be much better at that if I really uh, see people, work with people, assess people who are at every level of the spectrum. So I worked in, you know, prison systems with, you know, people who have killed people. I've worked with uh, people who've experienced, you know, severe trauma. I've worked with brain injuries and Alzheimer's disease. I've work with police officers. And so I really try to get as much experience as I possibly could, because I really believe that that is going to help me fully understand people, uh, the whole spectrum of people, and I'll be better at helping people achieve their potential. So that's sort of the the, the medium version of my story uh, and how I got to where I am today. Wonderful. Now, Chris, I'm sure that you agree that results inspire people. And based on what you've shared, it's clear that you've changed so many lives. What has been the most inspiring transformation that you've seen so far? I've seen a lot of people and to keep it with the performance enhancement example, I'll give you one quick example. I can't give real names and some of the information I, I'm going to say it might be slightly distorted purposely so I don't reveal who they are. Yeah. Uh, but I worked with a professional hockey player who was basically performing below their potential. The, you know, They were not scoring very many goals. They were not getting very many assists. Uh, they weren't doing much. Um, and they were, I think they were maybe in their second or third year in the pros and they were you know, looking to take their game to the next level. So we worked together for maybe three months, three, four months, more intensely, basically once a week. This was all actually uh, on the phone because this person was in the United States, not, uh, they, they weren't, obviously a professional hockey player is on the road. You wouldn't be able to see them in person. And this player just turned 
his game around, um, you know, we've worked on many strategies from, uh, you know, under being, you know, working on getting himself to be more positive by focusing on things he did right, working on gratitude, uh, you know, taking stuff from positive psychology, controlling his negative emotions, his frustration, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. visualization. So he was an eager student, you could say. And he went from, you know, basically getting, you know, doing not very well to after a couple of months. And by the end of that season, he would have been, if he if he played at that level for the whole season, he would have been first or second in, in, on his team in scoring because it was halfway through the season. That wasn't possible, but he completely changed his game around. And uh, it was pretty inspirational. You know, he kind of thought, I'm a professional hockey player. There's not much else to learn, but hey, let me, let me give this performance stuff a try. And, uh, you know, he, he was very grateful and I, we were both very happy about uh, how things went. So that, that's, that's a performance example that I could give you. Wonderful. That's truly inspiring. Now, at My 7 Chakras, we're all about taking small steps, taking action and building that momentum. And I'm sure that by this point, many of our listeners have this one question on their mind. How do I biohack myself toward a transformation? So to start with, is there a simple technique that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? I think one thing to, that first trait, I keep coming back to this, your susceptibility to negative emotions. I think the listeners should try to peg themselves on the scale. So in other words, do you think you're on the higher than average side in terms of experiencing things like anxiety. These aren't clinical disorders necessarily, just we all, this is a personality trait, so we all sort of fall on a continuum. Mm-hmm. You know, anxiety, you know, self-consciousness, tendency to panic when stressed, to get irritable versus someone who rarely feels that despite the circumstances. And so if you're high on this, a lot of very successful athletes, writers, artists, actors are high on this, but this can either destroy you or take you to the next level. So if you're really high on this, uh, it allows, if you can tap into the passion that you have and use that energy in a productive way, you can perform uh, or produce things much greater than ever before. And going back to that example, that that breathing in, uh, five seconds in, five seconds out, again, these are slow and long breaths. And you do this for, I would say, five to 10 minutes a day. You can change your physiology. You can actually develop something called vagal tone, which is the vagus nerves comes from your brain. It goes throughout your body to most major organs and you can basically make it stronger in the sense that when you have a negative emotion if you take a few deep breaths you'll be able to bring it down much quicker if you practice this on a daily basis for let's say five to ten minutes uh, by just breathing this way and you know, that's for people who, who are, I would say, average to high, which is half the population. Uh, if you're average to high on negative emotions, you should do this because you'll basically prevent yourself from becoming too overwhelmed. And that's probably the fastest way I can say it. <laughs> Great. We'll surely have this in the show notes. Action Tribe, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit my 7 chakrascom forward slash 107. That's my 7 forward slash 107. Today is a new day. Yesterday's mistakes cannot affect today's possibilities unless you dwell on them. Now, this is a powerful quote by Benjamin Lotter. Action Tribe, that is the magic of life. Yesterday is yesterday. It's over and it's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. But the good thing, as Mr. Lotter reminded us, is that yesterday's mistakes cannot affect today's possibilities unless you dwell on them. So, if there's something that you've been dwelling on, it's time to turn a brand new page. Take a deep breath and realize that today is a brand new day, the first day of the rest of your life. And speaking about the past, Chris, take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge. Firstly, how did you approach 
that particular challenge and then for the benefit of our listeners how did you overcome it probably the one of the biggest challenges for me was that period of my life when in just before high school so grades seven and eight and in the first few years of high school where I was hating school I was on the verge of flunking out you know my self-esteem my self-confidence my self-efficacy were all low and you know I was um, it was a very difficult time for me and to find out something that I was interested in, in was you know playing hockey which of course uh, very few people go to the pros and make a career out of that but to to find something like that that really allowed me to excel when I realized if I actually try harder or if I do extra work after practice or if I do extra stretches or extra reflex you know training I actually improved and you know that was um, again a big big change in my life I was on a trajectory of you know, of going to uh, uh, you know a bad school so one quick example is I was me and one other student in grade eight because our grades were so low we were forced to tour the local high school for you know basically the, the mostly delinquent students and really and students are just doing really poorly and it was a scary situation for me that we, we went in there there was a lot of gangs a lot of gang violence and as actually I talk about this in my book and the process of writing in the process of writing the book I actually went back and to look up the school and it turned out that during the years I would have went there because in the end I ended up being so scared I pulled up my grades so I didn't have to go there but during the years I would have went there there was you know a whole bunch of you know crimes that were committed uh, one was one student came and shot the guidance counselor and then shot the assistant principal luckily they both survived but and then the school actually shut down probably around the time I would have graduated there or the year before and so that was a, an eye-opener now looking back how that, that could have changed my life that my whole trajectory of my life if I ended up not pulling up my grades and didn't have that experience and so you know that was a again a shaping factor in terms of who I am today and, and where I am today so looking back now in just one sentence maybe what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners you know I think the the one lesson is we have way more potential than we actually realize and often with other people think we have. So, you know, never close the door on yourself when you have a dream or you have a goal. You know, we have a lot more. I'm living proof of that. And a lot of my clients are living proof of that. There are so many things we can do. There's so many, you know, things from healthcare, from Eastern practices to biohacking to, you know, modern neuroscience to basically, you know, take control of our lives and and put it on a path that will take you closer to where you really want to be. And then probably a lot further than you actually actually no. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing your story. You mentioned that when you were young, at one point, you were really hating school and you were getting bad bad grades. Your confidence was low and you did not really know what to do. And that's when your passion for sports, for hockey in particular, really came to your rescue. And that mindset helped you in your grades as well. You got better grades, helped you transform. And then you avoided going to the other school that you spoke about. So I think that's really, really powerful. And Action Tribe, when you turn your new page or begin a new life, take on new challenges, you know, learn new skills and move in a new direction. The people around you sometimes might not like it. They might criticize you, might be negative about your new journey, or they might ignore you or shame you and try to bring you back into that same state, your previous life or the darkness that you were in. In such a situation, my dear action taker, be fearless, stand your ground and feel grateful for your new direction because there is enormous power in your heart. And that's why Leslie Esperanza once said, stand in your light and shine brightly because 
because that is how you defeat darkness. So Chris, have you found your life's calling? And if yes, what is your life's calling? I think I have found my life's calling. I've always been, like you said in the introduction, I've always been fascinated by self-improvement, self-development. Mm-hmm. What makes people successful? You know, how do people survive, you know, very difficult circumstances and, and come out, you know, on top? You know, how do people make it to the top of, of their profession? And that really is the taking the knowledge and my passion for that and trying to share that with others really, I think, is my life's mission. And that's where I am today is, you know, by writing this book, uh, by talking to you is to try and share that with more people than the the people that I was, you know, seeing in my local practice or, you know, some of the people I was doing over Skype or on the telephone. And I just really think that there's a lot of great information uh, out there. And my background in neuropsychology and psychology and my own personal background, I think that I have a good, um, you know, a good way of looking at the what's out there and trying to translate that into easily digestible strategies for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Now, now that you have your book released, looking back at your life, looking at the challenges, the obstacles, the trials that you've gone through, was there ever a eureka moment beyond which you're pretty sure that your life was about to change? Take us back to that very instant. Yeah. Um, again, I know I keep bringing it back to this, but that experience at that high school, you know, that tour. I had. I called it my scared straight moment or my scared straight experience. Mm -hmm. You know, that was one of those eureka moments. Another one was when I was in high school, I was, uh, I got a job working in the summers and on the weekends working for a a brewing company, company that uh, would deliver beer to bars. And, uh, you know, I realized that some of the guys were just like me and they were a lot older. They've been there for many years and some of them were addicted to alcohol. And I seeing that I sort of had a vision of myself if I didn't change you know my the project the, uh, the the direction of my life if I didn't really take control of myself um, I could wake up being in that same position I, you know I'm already here mm-hmm. and you know that was another you know I don't remember the exact day but I do remember there was you know probably a few about a month or so in one summer when I when I realized wait a second you know I could be just stuck in this job like some of these guys are. And, you know, that is just not acceptable to me. And I need to do something. And that was one of the things that really inspired me to work really hard in school and to give myself more opportunity than I would have. So that was another eureka moment for me that this, uh, you know, I, I need to do something about my life, take control and you know, basically steer the ship. I think that's really inspiring because you went into the future and you imagined what life would be like if it continued this way. And then you came back into the present and then you made those changes. So that's powerful. This really brings us to the final round for today's episode, which is a rapid fire round called the wisdom round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so what is the best advice that someone's ever given you? I had a teacher in high school. This is probably grade in Canada at the time. It was 13 grades. It was uh, grade 11 or 12, I believe. So it was I still had a year or two left in school. And you know, he was one of the first teachers to inspire me. And he would often give these lessons. He was teaching like world issues. It was a type of geography called World Issues. And he was very authentic and he would reveal things about his own life, about the decisions he made, you know, in terms of, you know, what could have happened to him or, you know, what uh, the the right decisions he made and the wrong decisions he made. And the, the lesson I learned from him was really, you know, find something that you really love 
that you're really passionate about and basically go after that no matter what obstacles you face. There's Again, there's nothing worse than living a life uh, full of regret or what ifs or I wish I did this because life can be short. You know, we can be diagnosed with cancer and, you know, life can all of a sudden become real and become short. We like to live our lives sort of pretending that death is not going to happen. But uh, and, and our brains are hardwired. We can't really be, you know, aware of the full dread and fear of death at every moment. But, you know, having that uh, understanding and try to remind yourself that, you know, you, we don't know how long we're going to live. You can do everything in your power to live as long as possible and as healthy as possible, but you never know. So you really need to basically take control and follow your passion and just keep going because you don't want to live a life of regret. So name one personal habit that keeps you strong. One personal habit would be what I mentioned earlier, which is not relying too much on my moods, my energy levels, my interest level uh, on a day-to-day basis when I decide what to do when. What I found is when I, there's something in the book I call the five-minute rule. And this is a little strategy that's really easy to implement. Essentially, when you're feeling like you don't want to do something, whether it's go to the gym, whether it's calling your a relative that you don't really want to talk to, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, getting up and or drinking that kale, uh, you know, salad uh, or smoothie as opposed to having pizza, whatever it may be, just the idea that you try it for a few minutes and then you decide because our brains are really good at coming up with negative predictions about how hard something is going to be or how bad it's going to be. And it's almost always wrong. So when you think of, you know, I don't feel inspired to write today. I just, you know, it's going to be so painful. There's so many things I have to do. It's actually more painful to not do it and to procrastinate than to actually do it. So that's something that I learned at a young age. And I've been applying that throughout my life is really just getting myself to do something. And if it really is that bad, I have 100% permission to stop. Mm -hmm. But most about 90 to 95% of the time, you'll find it was never as bad as you thought. And that has really helped guide me and helped me progress and achieve things that I otherwise wouldn't have. So what is your morning ritual like? It depends on the morning. So I basically go back and forth. Every morning I do some form of exercise. So I get up before I have a three and a half year old. So I I try to get up before she gets up. And I usually do some exercise in my home gym. So I do that. And I often listen to podcasts, actually, and or uh, audiobooks while I run. I also do, you know, weights and stretching. But I also, uh, depending on the day, about four times a week, I will... After that, or usually a lighter workout, I will get into a, I have an infrared sauna in, in my basement as well. So I go in there and I kill a bunch of birds with one stone. I'm getting a sauna, plus I'm doing the HRV, the five seconds in, five seconds out breathing mm-hmm. and meditating, trying to stay in the present moment. And I also will visualize the day in terms of what do I need to do today? What are my goals? And really try to do that. And that is probably, the, you know, to me, it's over the years, I've sort of perfected it for myself because I feel like without that, I sort of lose my bearings sometimes and I get caught up in the thick of thin things, as Stephen Covey actually says, uh, you know, get caught up in things that are less important and I get derailed like most of us do. But that does tend to center me. It does tend to give me uh, a sense of balance and vision and uh, I'm ready for the day. And of course, I have a very healthy breakfast after that. Although there's one other step, I take cold showers. So I'll have a, as cold as my shower can go. I've been doing this for, now it's been a, 
almost one full year. I've ne- have not taken a hot shower in one year, and uh, that uh, there's some evidence that it builds immunity. There's evidence that it improves mood. There's some evidence that it that can burn fat. I'm not doing it to burn fat, but I do know after I have a cold shower, no matter what mood I had going in, <laughs> or if I'm tired or sluggish, I don't feel tired or sluggish when I get out. So that's uh, that is basically my current morning ritual, and uh, it has served me quite well. So what's the most powerful book that you've ever read? Uh, the most powerful book by far for me has been Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, I read that as a teenager. It was mind-blowing to me at the time. I had no idea that we had so much control in our lives, that uh, there was you know, a system that you could implement, that you could change the trajectory of your life. You know, Up to that point, I felt I was basically a victim to circumstances in the sense of you know, my anxiety and my mood were always dictated by external things. And I had no idea that, wait a sec, I can choose my response to these situations and I can actually envision the future and, you know, live my life congruent with, you know, a strong set of values. Uh, and it was just, to me, it was the greatest book. There's a reason why it's still in, on Amazon, one of the top selling books of all time. It is probably the best, in my opinion, the best self-help book uh, ever written. Perfect. We'll have this in the show notes as well. Action Tribe, once again, to access the show notes, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 107. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 107. So Chris, it's been great today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you. Sure. Yeah, I'm grateful for a lot of things. I'm grateful for my family's health. I'm grateful for, you know, being able to just being born in where I've been born in the country that allows me to do what I'm doing now. Like this is uh, the idea that you can actually do something in terms of your career that is your passion is a very new phenomenon. This 200 years ago and any time before that, that was not uh, on anyone's radar. That was not a possibility. You're born into where you were born and you have very limited opportunity. So I'm really grateful for having all the opportunity to be able to do things that I love and eventually, you know, making a career out of that. It's just if you step back uh, and look at it from a broader perspective, it's mind blowing, you know, how good we have it in today's day and age. And sorry, to find me, the uh, so my website's called Friesen Performance. It's one word, dot com. So FriesenPerformance.com. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, if you look under Friesen Performance, again, it's really Friesen Sport and Performance Psychology. If you go, if you look those up, you'll find me on Facebook. I do repost a lot of articles that I think are interesting to do with neuroscience, success, achievement, that sort of thing. And of course, I'm on Twitter as well. And that's just at Friesen Perform. And yeah, that's, those are probably the best places to find me. If you go to my website, I have a newsletter that uh, I don't send you guys stuff every week. It's pretty spread out. I try and find, make sure I have something useful to send. There's a, a little box on the top of my webpage on freezingperformance.com. It says, do this every day. If you can you click on that, you'll sign up and you'll get uh, a number of, some of them are biohacks and others are just strategies. One of them is what I talked about earlier, this breathing in five seconds in, five seconds out. Another one's talking about meditation, being mindful, diffusing from your thoughts and exposing yourself to things like cold showers or other difficult things every day to build your sense of uh, confidence and to challenge your fears. Because I know every morning when I, before I get into that cold shower, there's still a part of me says, I don't want it to be cold. It's going to be painful. And I don't listen to that. I just do it anyways. And I'm always glad I did. So those are the best ways to find me and to uh, get in contact. So thanks a lot, Chris. Action takers, for more information on how to embody the mindset of an elite performer, 
an Olympian or a high performance high performance business entrepreneur you can go to this website frozenperformance.com and you can learn more sign up on the newsletter so that you can stay updated about the latest and greatest in this space Chris thank you so much for coming on our show reminding us about the power of the human spirit and taking us one step closer to a human revolution thank you so much for having me you are listening to my seven chakras go to my seven chakras.com download your free gift get inspired and take action transform your life today